0: Hello, and welcome to the BNP Paribas Markets 360 podcast. We cover the topics that matter from the global economy to market strategy.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Trevor Allen, Head of Sustainability Research at Markets 360 here at BNP Paribas. I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined today by Megan Dale, Sustainability Research Analyst on my team. It's Monday afternoon here in London, the 28th of November, 2022. So Megan, it's great to have you back. I hope all is well, and I really want to know what did you make of the two weeks at COP27?
0: Thanks, Trevor. It's great to be back. Well, overall, I have to say that COP27 definitely seemed to give mixed reactions. Progress was made on a lot of issues, but despite the fact that implementation was supposed to be the theme of the conference, very little seemed to be implemented.
1: That was my thinking as well, and COP once again ran into extra time in order for an agreement to be reached. Which initiative really stood out most for you?
0: Well, I think the most talked about initiative is the agreement to launch a loss and damage fund where those wealthy nations with higher historic emissions will create a fund to help developing nations build greater climate resilience. It's something which developing nations have spent years fighting for, so to finally have an agreement is certainly progress. We think the fund could increase foreign direct investment into emerging market countries by helping to de-risk investments into energy infrastructure and climate adaptation projects. At the same time, however, it's important to see the limitations. Countries don't face any legal liability for historic emissions, which was a necessary condition for some high emitters to agree. And also many of the details, such as the size of the fund and the beneficiaries are currently missing, as they are due to be fleshed out by COP28 next year. So ultimately, given the lack of detail and legal liability, we do see a risk that this initiative may become another unfulfilled promise, as has been the case so far with the long-awaited $100 billion annual climate financing for developing nations. Delivery for this was promised by 2020, but we are still waiting for the target to be reached.
1: Yes, there seems to be some disconnect between ambition and execution as highlighted by this ongoing delay. Was the delegation able to make any further progress on the delivery of the 100 billion U.S. dollars of climate funding?
0: Sadly, progress has been very little, as the expected delivery date has been pushed back again, this time to 2025. That said, this was in line with our expectations, as a lot has happened since the COP26 discussion last year. Mainly, Western countries are facing greater financial commitments, such as providing assistance to Ukraine and supporting households that are struggling to cope with high energy prices while economic growth is slowing.
1: Thank you, Megan. So, what other options do emerging market countries have to really raise capital to fund adaptation and green energy projects?
0: So, a positive during the conference was the focus on the voluntary carbon offset market. For example, the African Carbon Markets Initiative was launched, which should help to boost the credibility of nature-based offsets. By 2030 the scheme is aiming to see 300 million credits produced annually which would equate to around 6 billion dollars of income for the continent. We see this as a key example of emerging markets taking climate funding matters into their own hands and we expect to see voluntary carbon offset issuance rise as a result. We also think that the voluntary offset market could see a positive boost from the recent election of Brazil's climate-conscious president, Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, as we expect to see further offsets come from the Amazon rainforest. It's important to note that, for these new initiatives to succeed, we need to see detail in the framework around how the schemes will ensure transparency, high project quality, and verified accounting.
1: Okay, so that does seem like a step forward. However, contrasting this progress It does not seem that most countries have followed through from the agreement of COP26 to revisit and submit more ambitious climate targets, effectively known as the NDCs, or the Nationally Determined Contributions. What happened there?
0: Well, as you know, the EU was the only major emitter to increase its 2030 emissions reduction target to a 57% reduction, up two percentage points from its previous goal of 55%. This was below our expectations, however, as we thought the bloc would aim for a minimum 60% reduction. On the plus side, at least the EU is attempting to keep up some kind of momentum in the face of today's tight energy markets and lobbying from the oil and gas sector. However, we do think the overall lacklustre ambition from countries points to a likely backloading of emissions cuts to later on this decade. This should still benefit the development of green energy projects, particularly in China, the US and Europe. This focus on climate mitigation should be a boost to green bond issuance in 2023 and throughout the decade as electricity prices remain high, natural gas markets remain tight, and these countries look to cut emissions while increasing energy security.
1: And on that note, were there any deals struck between countries that could increase collaboration and cooperation?
0: so the g7 announced that it will invest around 20 billion dollars towards helping indonesia reduce its reliance on coal generated electricity by developing more green energy the target here is for renewable energy to make up at least one third of indonesia's energy mix by 2030. and i'd just like to add in one more thing as well to end on a positive note it did seem to be the case that the us and china have put their past issues behind them and that they are now more open to working together on climate issues furthermore Even if Western countries do have their hands somewhat tied in terms of financially assisting developing nations, the final text from this year's COP did focus on increasing the role that multilateral development banks could play. In particular, greater financing from multilateral development banks should help to de-risk climate financing for investors, which in turn should encourage the mobilisation of private capital towards clean energy infrastructure projects in developing countries.
1: The complexity of climate change is a growing problem as countries need to address energy security, lowering electricity costs, reducing emissions, and ensuring a just transition all while the amount of carbon in the atmosphere continues to grow. Megan, wait against that backdrop. How do we rate COP27? Good COP, bad COP?
0: All in all, I think that this one was somewhere in the middle. The key is really how all of these initiatives will be implemented, which is why we think implementation needs to be the theme of every COP for the remainder of this decade.
1: Well said, Megan. Any final thoughts on what we should watch out for next?
0: So there's two things to look out for. Firstly, the head of the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change has raised the idea of sharing the leadership responsibility between the current and incoming host countries. However, whilst this may improve implementation and transparency, We also see a risk that it may moderate ambitious plans that are typically led by the host country. And secondly, we are also excited for the UN Conference on Biodiversity, which starts on the 7th of December. This is, albeit confusingly named, as COP15. We are expecting more deals focused on carbon offsets, ensuring regenerative farming practices, and food security.
1: Yes, COP15 is the next big opportunity for sustainable finance, and we will be covering that further in the next few weeks. Thank you, Megan. It's been a pleasure to hear from you, and I look forward to seeing how these developments progress over the coming months. And from all of us here at the Sustainability Research Team at Markets360, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to hosting you next time.
0: This communication does not constitute research, a recommendation, or any form of advice from BMP Paribas or its affiliates. It does not consider your financial circumstances or objectives, and it may not be suitable for you. It should not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part.